Hello, hello. Thanks for listening to Guidance Counselor 2.0. Listen, I want to give you a quick rundown of what this podcast is and what you're about to get into as you listen to these episodes. We had guidance counselors in middle school. We had guidance counselors in high school, but we didn't really have guidance counselors in college. And now as professionals, we don't really have anybody to turn to, to ask a quick question, to learn something about the job search or to navigate your career. And so that is what I want this podcast to be for you. I want it, for it to be a tool for you to navigate the job search and your career. So that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you need to reach me, Taylor at Vaco, V-A-C-O.com is how to get in touch with me, old fashioned email, social media at T-D-E-S-S-E-Y-N. T-D-E-S-S-E-Y-N. And finally, please rate and review this in the app store because I want this to be discoverable for others so they can navigate their careers. Hope you enjoy the episode. Kishaw, who are you? What do you do? And we'll go from there. Okay. Um, I wrangle complexity. I say that a lot. That's literally what I do. I'm a computer scientist. I'm a tech entrepreneur. I'm currently the CEO at Time Study. Uh, Time Study uh, has an enterprise platform that studies time. I uh, used to be an engineer, so I named things based on how they function. <laughs> so we actually study time. Uh, we do that for, uh, we almost had 100 hospitals around the U.S. Uh, the company uh, has offices in New York and Virginia, and I'm so happy to be here. I love it. I love it. So <laughs> so, so when I message individuals, I, I always say, hey, listen, there's kind of three main areas I talk about. The job seeker, hiring, and then and then also building culture. And, and, and so... Uh, Sean and I were talking off air and, and, and I want to dive in to the first thing that we talked about is, is basically leading and the way you lead, right? You came from an engineering background. So can you kind of dive into your background as an engineer as you moved into leadership, founder, CEO, and kind of what you've kept in mind through that journey and then leading other people? Got it. Yeah. So I started, I've been in tech, uh, gosh, it's been almost 25 years now. And my first role in tech was a programmer. Uh, And then I just moved through the organization, started my first company uh, over 17 years ago. So I've been running tech companies for a while. This is my third one. And I learned a lot, you know, from being an engineer, but also leading engineers about the day in the life of a person that has to take an idea from conception into the market. And one of the things that uh, there are a couple of things that I do as a leader um, for engineering teams. Uh, Success metrics, uh, I make a deliberate effort to define how success is measured and to be aligned with the engineering team around that. Um, And in our business, when we have our team meetings, we lead the meeting. Everyone leads with metrics. Um, And it keeps us all aligned. It's really quick. People go through their metrics um, and we've all agreed on them. And it allows them to work the way they want to work. So I don't pester people on weekends and bother them because I understand engineering flow state because I remember it used to be my favorite time when, and I used to work at night. I used to pull all nighters and it wasn't because I wanted to be up at night. It was because no one else was up at night. And so I would be up for this long stretch of time writing code and it just felt like a really creative exercise. And I think a lot of engineers are more creative than we give them credit for. So I make space for that by being um, a very deliberate leader. So I talk Mm. about success metrics in a really deliberate way to allow people to work the way that they want to work. So we talk about success metrics, right? I mean, because we have engineering leaders. I I also, by the way, y'all engineering leaders that watch this show, aside from Barrett Blake, y'all lurk too much because I got a bunch of y'all in my DMs that say, hey, that's a great show. I'm like, why didn't you say anything? Like, I was literally texting an engineering manager yesterday. He's like, I watch your show all the time. I was like, well, you need to say hey once in a while. So that being said, 
what are some success metrics that you're willing to share? I don't know if you want to share all your secret sauce, but I mean, what are just some things that y'all key in on? Yeah. So they're the obvious things. Of course, you're looking at your um, uh, your work items and the percent completed. Um, we also, of course, look at unplanned items. It helps us to understand whether we do a great job of forecasting our sprints. Uh, so yeah. we're an agile shop. Um, we t I take it a step further. I actually measured the customer's input on what we're doing because I think we miss that a lot. Um, a lot of times we can just check boxes and deploy things, but then a lot of things can happen after deployment that isn't documented. Mm -hmm. um, so we actually look at whether or not the, of course we look at whether it, a ticket was reopened, but sure. we actually monitor customer feedback. And for a couple of reasons, it, it empowers the engineer to, to build a portfolio where they can actually explain in a job interview, not only their skills, but also how that impacted the people that they build products for. So I make that one of their success metrics is mm. we get customer feedback. So my team actually partners with our client success team on ensuring that we have customer feedback on our big, big releases. Mm. Um, I think that's an important part. Um, the rhythm of the team, of course, uh, you know, I, again, I think engineering is a lot more creative than yeah. we get credit for. There yeah. is a rhythm. So I actually look at the team and their rhythm. And so I look at when they're like really, you know, you know, coding and really in a, a, a very productive state. And then you'll notice when teams become like they need rest yeah. uh, because they've been pushing so hard. So we actually build rest into the, the planning. You really? Like, we have to because if you don't build it in, people are gonna rest anyway. Like seriously, you you will see a person really getting burned out. They slow down. They're not as crisp or clear. So you know I, we we're deliberate in building that into the process. We recognize that it is um, it can be really taxing for the brain to be in its constant state of coding and pushing out code. So rest is a part of it. Well, it's it's crazy too that you said that because you're not the first individual um, that has said this on the show. So two things I hear a lot with one. So Jason Langstorff, who's actually speaking, I think at Render this year, he's mm -hmm. uh, he's VP of Developer Experience, I think at Netlify, mm -hmm. and he was saying that developers need to stare at more walls. As in, like that was like my favorite quote out of our talk. Basically, like trying to give the mental space to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I'm hearing a lot too is comparing, so uh, Michelle and um, Chris, no, Gabe, from G2I down in Miami, who's hosting React Miami, um, mm -hmm. they are talking about that they're athletes, that like we don't, we don't treat our engineers like athletes, and really at the end of the day, with the amount of workload they have, that needs to happen. Yeah, it does. And, you know, if you, you imagine a company actually measures whether someone has taken a break in a while. That's a success metric because it does mm. improve, it freshes up your brain. So some people, you know, they may go hiking or they may just lay around on their couch, you know. I don't hike. I don't Whatever do it is that recharges you, you have to actually measure whether your team is recharging or they will burn out on yeah. you. Um, and I see it a lot with engineers. I think it's brilliant, the concept of staring at walls. I really love it. Um, I started um, during COVID, like because we were all in our homes working and I had been used to being um, out more. I actually started working out at 5 a.m. in the morning 
And I mentioned that I used to be a night owl, so I'm a morning person now, but it, it really set the tone for my day and it gave yeah. me a lot of discipline. It cleared my brain up so that I can actually plan my day. Um, no one's up at 5 a.m. except yeah. me and the other athletes and <laughs> engineers. You know, you don't have to be in a gym at 5 a.m., but I think allowing your team to sort of build these practices into their day actually mm -hmm. helps them do better work. I love that. I love that. I want to give a shout out to people that joined in. William Johnson, what's going on, buddy? I'll see you next week in Miami. Um, he's also very, a very a big a part of Render ATL. Um, Cody, it's great to see you. Tatiana, it's wonderful to see you. Else. Chris, we got somebody from Texas tuning in. Um, uh, let's see here. Also, too, Brendan coming down here. We've built rest in the planning. Best thing I've heard all week and arguably the rarest of all mindsets and <laughs> that's why i got her on that's why i got her on um take a walk do something. take a walk do something and erica it's great to see your girl as always mrs consistent so so i i, I want to go into um you know a, a little bit about um uh culture um mm -hmm. because because i think you know, you've already kind of, you're, you're obviously, I can already tell you're a big proponent of culture and leadership and, and you understand the mindset. What, why do you think, and this is a, a broad question, so bear, there's no wrong answers here. Why do you think culture in tech can be broken or is broken in certain instances? Like, there are so many reasons, but one, I, I know. <laughs> I go in a lot of different directions. One, I think is this, um, you know, I think there's this sort of persona of a person that works in tech and that person, you know, works all day just cranking away at code and they can really quickly take, you know, someone else's idea and execute it. And sometimes the way tech uh, actually happens, uh, leaders don't understand what needs to happen to actually execute an idea very well. Yep. And you can treat tech workers like robots instead of people. Like these are people, you know, like you can, you may be able to write C sharp code, but can you navigate a dysfunctional leadership team that can't make up their mind about what they want and the scope of work is changing? And so the, these are the things that actually keep people from building great products. So mm. I think the dysfunction really is in the misalignment of the vision for the future that you're trying to create. Sometimes leaders fail to actually say, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we want to see happen. Help us get there. And sometimes it just sort of is barred from an you know an yeah. order mark that you know yeah. engineers and then they they may not execute as well not because they're not talented but that there are a lot of other moving pieces that they have to navigate and I think we underestimate that um, so I mentioned rest a lot because treating people as people is important you have to recognize when they're at their highest most creative state. Um, I think tech workers should be create, uh, treated as creators because that's what they're doing. Yeah. So you have to build teams that do that. Um, I also think um, in a lot of ways, I think um, we could train our tech workers to really optimize for communication. Um, mm -hmm. I see a lot of younger tech uh, workers, they, uh, they collect certifications, uh, but you miss some of the stuff that's really important in your development. Like, can you communicate what you've been doing in a way that's very precise that I can understand your role on the team, what you did, the timeline and the impact of what you did. And I don't think Love that. We don't really train people to do that until they're further in their careers. And I think we should train them much earlier than we do uh, to be able to communicate work in that way. What? And so there's so many ways I could take this. I, I don't want to get off leadership right yet. So I, what, what are some other things? Because I, again, you're, you're just, you're just, you're spitting some truth here. So I, I want to kind of dig into your brain a little bit more. What are just some general pillars as well um, that you just believe in 
that you're passionate about. I know we've talked about rest. We've talked about, you know, uh, communication. We've talked about, you know, leading correctly from the top. Are there anything else you're super passionate about right now that you may want to share to other leaders? Yes. Sandboxes is something I'm passionate about. So I talked about rest and I want to talk about play. Um, so a lot of times when I go speak, you know, people may like realize that sometimes I don't even talk about tech like at all. Yeah. I'm talking around tech because I, I think there are a lot of things around tech that makes the tech not work as well. Play is another one. Like as a company, is there an area a sandbox that on a regular basis, your teams and not just the tech teams, your teams can actually play and break things. That's so important, it, particularly if you have young workers, because yeah. it gives them an environment to actually, some people learn by taking a thing apart and putting it back together. So can they break it? Can they see what happens when I do this? Um, so we, we make sure we have sandbox area for people. It should be a safe space for people to break things and not be judged because they did something crazy. Well, but it's a, it's a good way for people to learn. So professional development through not just coursework, but sandboxes. Um, yeah like build it into your schedule uh, that people are able to play. Another thing is uh, visioning like what you're doing. Uh, I challenge my teams to really mock up what it is you're going to do when we are like building a new capability. You could do it on a on a napkin. I don't care. In Excel, it could be in Word. It doesn't even have to. It shouldn't involve code at all. So on paper, just show me what you're trying to accomplish and actually imagine, get someone to help you imagine the customer doing that. And again, a lot of times we treat engineers like robots. We don't give them the space to actually think about what it is they're doing before they do it. Mm. Um, sort of mock it up first. So I think design should be a part of a lot of things. There are a lot of DevOps things that don't involve that, but but that is really important, at least on my team. So sandboxes and uh, the, the ability to prototype new ideas yeah. on a basis is important. It, you know, it, it, it's funny, right? So talking to you and kind of hearing what you're saying, there's almost this like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. There's almost you're kind of like, hey, be cool. Like, Let's just be chill. Let's, <laughs> let's rest. Let's yeah. let's tinker. Let's communicate. Let's get shit done. Yeah. But like when I talk to you, there's not this like anxious energy right now. You, you've probably been around the block for a bit. So you're probably, you're probably <laughs> so you understand. But like, I, do, do you think maybe you're a little different with that? Because everything you're saying, it's it's not go, go, go. It's almost, hey, let's let's figure this out on the front end first before we go. Well, I've learned that people move faster when you give them time space to do this, because what you learn, like I mentioned being in the gym at 5 a.m., what I learn when I go and I'm not an athlete by any stretch of the imagination. But what I learn is I learn what I'm capable of every mm. morning. I'm capable of waking up. I'm cap This morning I did five pull-ups unassisted. Like, That's awesome. And so I build that into my day. And I think engineering teams need to be able to do that because that allows them to move quicker when it is go time. So mm. when it's go time, let's go. Go time is not the time to like play and, and, right. and like right. make critical mistakes. So sure. you want your team to be high performing. You actually have to give them time to train like athletes. Mm. Um, and that's why the rest and the and the training, the sandboxes is important. And for our engineers, like we can't test. I mean, you can test, you know, 
some basic fundamental uh, programming skills if you're talking about software engineering. But the things you can't test for are all of the other things that that person is going to have to deal with, the other people that they have to report to, the change in mm -hmm. direction, uh, maybe even the change in coding. So how well does your team adopt a new technology? How do you know that? unless you allow them to do that on a regular basis. And if you bring them into a brand new project with a drop dead deadline that's tomorrow, they're going to screw it up. And it's yeah. not going to be bad people. You just didn't give them a chance to like tinker enough. They don't know what it's going to take, you know? I, <laughs> I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like, le I, I feel like leadership, I feel like leading well is not hard, mm -hmm. but it's hard to execute. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything you're saying, I'm like, why doesn't everybody do this? But then I realized that like, we're all broken people and, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, but, but I think obviously I, what, that's what makes you special, but I don't know, it, it, everything that you're saying, everything that I've had leaders on this show, they're all, it's all consistent mm -hmm. and they're all doing it, but there's a lot of leaders out there not doing it. Yeah. I think too, culturally, we almost have this like belief that once you reach a certain point in leadership and maybe it's a title uh, or the number of people that report to you. It's almost like you don't have to grow anymore. But mm. one of the things that I take responsibility for the people I lead. So if people are burning out under my leadership, then it's not their problem. I need to look at why are they burning out in this environment. And if that means that I need to go out and build more runway for my company so that we can hire more people and, and, and they can work better, then that is my growth, that I have to grow up to be able to do that. And I think a lot of leaders just miss the part about their responsibility, which is, yeah. is your responsibility to create an environment that's conducive to people doing great work. And if people are burning out consistently, there's a pattern of burnout. It's not the people, it's your environment, your policies, procedures, and maybe even your leadership that's contributing mm. to burnout. So good, Ali. Yeah. I, I get, I hit 33 and it hurts to sneeze. I wake out of bed sore. And then when, when somebody speaks the truth, I get goosebumps now. So <laughs> I've been having goosebumps this entire session. So uh, I love this so much. So, so you mentioned hiring. So let's go into hiring. Hiring retention. We'll, yeah. we'll kind of wrap up the last half of this with, with this topic. Um, companies are struggling to hire. Companies are struggling to keep talent. Um, yeah. let's, let's talk about hiring first. Um, general tips, tricks that you've learned over the years because – yeah. Everyone's trying the best they can. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I would love to hear what you're doing. Yeah, it's rough. I, I admit it's rough out there. And I run a startup. So it's, yeah. I'm, it's not like I'm running Google. Like some of the big companies, they have the brand behind them. But it is, it is one of the things that I do. I'll tell you what I do that works for me is transparent hiring procedures is really important. So yeah. uh, we have a very clear process um, and I articulate that when I first meet the candidate. Hey, this is where we are. This is what we're doing next. This is what you can expect. And again, about alignment, you know, does, is this aligned with your career goals and your, your job search goals? Does this timeline work for you? So I think that's number one, transparency. Um, sourcing talent, um, you know, there's a whole lot in the space around, uh, you know, diversity diversity and making yep. sure that you're diversifying your talent pool. Yeah. So I make sure that I'm sourcing talent from different sources and uh, just being really clear on how I'm evaluating the role. So I put more work on the front end. When I think about the role, I'm actually thinking about how this person's performance will be measured mm. and structure my interview around that. Um, and then, you know, the rest of it is just, can you know, 
can we vibe? Do they seem like they're a good team dynamic? The rest yeah. of it. But if I can get on the same page with them about how much we're paying, <laughs> you know, what our timeline is, what we do, you know, I, I do my work initially. This is what we do. This is who we serve. I'm right. interest you. And, you know, and, and this, is this aligned with your goals? And it, I have this, uh, my philosophy is that, you know, I don't want to waste people's time and I don't want them to waste mine. So mm. I actually start the interview with the success metrics of the hiring process so that the candidate can tell me, ah, that's not for me. Or yes, great. I'm really interested in this. Okay. This is what I'm looking for really quickly. Let's evaluate whether or not you fit. Um, so that's my hiring. I could go in a lot of different directions with hiring. Yeah. What, what, what's, so walk me through, cause I'm always fascinated with like the specific steps. So like how, how do you have things, how do you have the steps set up? Yeah. So I always do an introductory um, before we do an interview. There's like a 30 minute intro call, okay. um, you know, whenever the person can do it. I, I actually speak to them, whether they're whether someone else on my team is hiring them. And that's so that I can introduce myself and the company. So, again, I'm treating them like a human, not like a candidate in a big pool. It's like, hey, I just want to meet you and find out who you are and why you're looking. And this is who I am and this is what we're doing. And this is why we're hiring for this role. And mm -hmm. I think it really sets the tone for more of a conversational interview so that, you know, if their first impression is that me, I'm interrogating them. Or, Do you know this? Do you know this? Take this test. Then it's not really a good interview. It's just like, hold on, hold on. Hiring managers. Did you hear that? <laughs> did, did you hear that? Yeah, I mean, like, right, real session, it doesn't make you feel like I know as like it's been a while since so I've applied. Of that. But I remember applying for roles and the ones that I did not want to have a second interview with were the ones that treated me like just a face in the number. crowd. Yeah, yeah, just a number. So that first step is a 30 minute intro. That's what oh, I do. Uh, you know, then the second one is the actual interview. Um, and the, the relevant person on my team is there. And that's where we actually talk about what we're doing and what would you do if you were in this role? Hmm. So it's really situational. And we tell them that before they get to the interview. So we don't like to surprise people with, you know, uh, stressful interviews because I don't think it leads to great performance. Um, and then the third step is the um, if it's an executive role, then they meet the people that I have to report to my our investors, maybe key advisors. Mm. Um, but usually it's a two step process. Um, and then we make a decision and we go from there. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so you're you're only the second manager leader that I've spoken to on the show. Ashley Huntsberger from Raleigh. She is a manager of DevOps. She and you are the only two individuals that have talked about prepping candidates before they interview. Yeah. Why wouldn't you like, why would you set someone up? Like, I mean, unless they're like going to be, you know, climbing Everest and you want to test their ability to not die. Like, why would you actually put someone in a situation to fail? Because there's some really good, really talented people that in the right environment are superb. And so I just want to set the environment for success, you know, and if you are doing your work with your questions, then people can't Google the answers if you're really doing your work because no one knows your company like you do. Yeah. So we like present our company, our unique use cases to the candidate. They, they can't know this ahead of the interview. And we, but we tell them, this is what we're going to talk about. These are, this is what we're measuring. Make sure you have these stories ready mm -hmm. when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. 
More goosebumps. More goosebumps. All right. So, so, so last like few minutes, I want to talk mm-hmm. retention right now. I think everything you've said is retention, right? From like the moment they get on the phone with you, it's an intro. You're, you're kind, you're giving them space. You're all that's retention. Is there anything that maybe you've struggled with recently? Uh, maybe the last two years from retention that you've had to fix or that maybe something you've implemented new by chance? Yeah, I can tell you what I've done new. Um, so I meant tech time study is a startup. I've run three companies, um, but this one is a startup and we didn't have clear pathways to growth. Um, and so it wasn't like a real, you know, we didn't lose anyone at time study. We have really good employee retention, but we, we had a few employees that really have very clear career goals and they wanted to see what their opportunities were. So one of the things I've done is I've been very deliberate about, hey, if you want to grow in this way, this is what is required. This is the salary range for that. And the transparency in that has really like I've seen my team actually be more empowered and they've been more like very deliberate about their work. They're monitoring their progress in a way that I generally don't see when people don't know what their promotion opportunities are. So that's been a a really, it's been great for me also because you get teams that are really performing at the level that you want them to perform because they understand that if I get to this level, this is next. And that this is the salary that's attached to that. So again, transparency requires a lot of um, preliminary work. Um, yeah. So the career uh, professional growth opportunities is another thing um, that, you know, been handling on a case by case basis. But I think it warrants a lot of thought, like how are you offering your team the ability to learn new things? Mm. Um, so as a part of our like we do one-on-one. So instead of like a big annual like performance review, I don't do the like surprise at the end of the year. Um, I talk to people on a regular basis. So I, I speak to them one, one-on-one on yes. a, once a month. And that's where feedback is exchanged. And it's never a surprise because we speak on a frequent basis because we lead by metrics. I, I don't blindside people with performance. Mm. Uh, criticism. So that's another thing that uh, I learned in my career uh, over time is that, you know, evaluating people on a regular basis and and allowing them to give you feedback um, is a part of the process that needs to happen more often, not just once. Wait a minute, you allow your people to give feedback? Yes, they do. And they'll tell me, but because I've set up our communication so that they... um, they do, you know, and it's not like, you know, they treat me the way that I, you know, I treat them the way I want to be treated. So it's not, not like, they're like, hey, I didn't like the way you did this. But the team will say, Kishaw, can you give me an idea that it would help if you could blah, blah, blah. And I'm listening. I'm like, oh, I should probably do that. Like, yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. I heard you when you say that. And a lot of times if a team member is giving me feedback, I'll during our team member meetings, I'll talk about it. I'll be like, so last time I did this, um, it occurs to me that if I do this, it'll actually help you more. So going forward as a team, mm. I just know I spoke with whoever about this. And again, it creates an open culture and people feel heard. Um, if I don't agree with the feedback, you know, again, it's we're having a conversation. Sure. The, the goal is not for me to control them. The goal is for me to set an environment that allows mm. them to perform well. I love that. So so last so last few minutes um, here. Uh, any advice to job seekers right now? Also, to Mel coming in here goes, I'd interview with your company just for the interview experience. Dude, same, same. Um, so, uh, and Brendan comes in literally, you know, not liking to surprise people during interviews. Also, demonstrably rare mindset. I don't know anyone who likes to be surprised in interviews, but it sure seems to happen a lot. Um, and then Brandon comes in again. The best managers and management teams I've worked with 
always have regular touch points with the directs. One of uh, one of my favorites used to say, if you're surprised by anything in yearly reviews, what we're required to do, I'm not doing my job properly. Yes, Brandon. Yes. And the the one thing I wanted to know also, there someone made a comment and it just left. I'm old. I'm getting old. It's no, gone. But I had a thought about another thing that came up at um, Time Study recently around retaining employees. I'll mention it in my next comment. Okay, so, cool. Cool. Uh, job seekers, any mm -hmm. tips for them right now? Um, obviously, you're in hiring, you see resumes, you see inter people interviewing. Any general tips for job seekers right now? Yep, it just came back. So as a, <laughs> a leader, um, another thing I think um, that's important is being allowing people to articulate if their career goal is not with your company, which is another unique thing. I've actually Say that one more time. Say that one more time. Well, I've actually spoken to employees. It's like my ultimate job is to start my own business, doing this and this and that. And yeah. their performance goal at time study is like, okay, if you want to be here in this amount of time, I think you need to focus on this skill and that skill. A lot of leaders are afraid to do that because we have this mindset that when we acquire talent, that they should never leave. And that's not a mindset that I take. Sometimes people are there with you for a season. So they have their their goal and it's aligned with where you are. But when the company grows and when they grow, they may not be a, a fit. And that's not a bad thing. So putting that on the table um, in terms of job seekers, I'm going to go back to communication be able to communicate not just the check boxes like i know this and i know this thing and i took that class try to communicate how the so what how did that impact the people that you were building for who did you work with on the team and try to communicate it in that way um and if, if you can't like really ask your former supervisors like when we when we deployed that like how many customers use it did anyone give feedback you want to start putting things like that in your interviews when you're introducing yourself um, because that's going to set you apart from most of the candidates that I see, if you can articulate your work in that way. I love it. I yeah. love it. Uh, any last, any last thoughts? So, we're, so we're done. I mean, time flies. <laughs> we're having fun. Yeah. Um, any last general thoughts, things that maybe, um, you know, any last words of wisdom? And if not, no worries. I just always leave the mic open to, to this. <laughs> I have a lot of things. So the one thing <laughs> I want to leave with, because uh, I know we don't have a lot of time is I'm hiring. So there you go. We're going to be doing a lot of hiring. We have a head of technology role open. We have a senior software engineer role that's open. What's um, else tech stack? Uh, oh, we um, so we have a, we have a big platform. We have .NET, uh, SQL, and C Sharp, but also um, the main stack for our mobile. Cool. Um, the uh, we also have a UX UI role that will be opening uh, in May. Great. Um, we have a lot of tech things happening. If you're just like kicking the tires to see what's out there and you want to meet me and talk about what your career goals are, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. You heard it here first. Her DMs <laughs> are open, friends. Yeah, my DMs are open. I love it. I love yeah, it. I love it. resume ready so I can know what, you, what you're doing. So, and I'll come with my information. Okay. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, uh, thanks y'all for hanging out with us today. Kashaw, thank you so much. Stay on real quick um, before we, uh, as we end, because I have another question for y'all fair. Um, but y'all, thank you so much. Go connect with Kashaw. Uh, hopefully y'all enjoyed this uh, episode this morning. Um, also come to Render because we're both going to be there and it's going to be awesome. Um, and uh, y'all have a great one. Have a wonderful weekend and we will see y'all Monday. Take it easy. Peace. Hey, you did it. You listened to an entire episode and I am very grateful because you know why? There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of episodes and I myself 
rarely finish an entire episode. So I appreciate you so, so much for listening. Quick reminder, please rate and review this podcast in the App Store. I want this to be discoverable to others. And the only way that happens is if you take the time right now and rate and review it. Please, like right now. Unless you're driving, then don't do it. So thank you again. If you need to reach out to me, taylor at vaco.com or at tdestin on all social media handles. And I hope you have a fantastic day.